0: You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3 R, 102.7 in Melbourne. All right, man, put that band away. Go on, put it away. There you go. Back you go. Pack them up. Them up. <laughs> Pack them up. Pack them up. For another week. God, they just keep bouncing back, though, don't they? <laughs> they do. They do. really do. It and so do we. Lordy, lordy, lordy. 1202 here on 3 R FM. That's the station you're listening to. You know that, though, because that's the sort of people you are, yeah. and that's why we love you, Yeah, uh, and we do love the scientists in their strange territory. They're in Studio 3. That probably doesn't mean a lot to you, but we've taken them out of their comfort zone yes. today, and they've just delivered the they goods. They
1: adapted and overcome, just like Marines. Marines! Marines.
0: They did indeed. Um, uh, we're not going to tarry today. Oh, so, hi, Matt. Hi. Cameron Smith. Hi. Hello and welcome. Oh, I'm all excited. <laughs> you can, there's a, you're, you're buzzing, it's good There's a little, a, there's more than a frisson We've got a very good show for of you today excitement Yes Well, you know, you never want to define the market in your own terms This is true Daddy used to say that to me Yes Mummy always used to say, never eat anything bigger than your head
1: Both excellent advice
0: <laughs> She never did say that, but I always attribute it to her So stupid Term And prob- but good good advice. Mm. Um uh, someone that has uh, great advice mm. to people, in fact, Michael Maderson, Zara Young, they're here. Uh they of uh, the Everly and Heartbreaker, the possibly the best bars in Melbourne. I would go that far, yes, Bang? I agree. Okay. Mm. Um they've written a tome. It's a it's not quite a manifesto, it's a guide. It's a guide to drinking, uh, yes. for serving, for being yes. stylish, for being authentic. Yes. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about that. It's, uh, there's a book. It's a spot at the bar. It should have a spot in your bookshelf.
1: Matt wants it in
0: his book. I do. I've already had a flick through it. This is just just a no-brainer purchase for me. Yeah, it is. And it's released this
1: week, we believe, a spot at the bar.
0: So you've got a spot at the bar later on in the show. Working backwards, we've got Hannah Dupre. She's in the green room too, uh, storming a teacup. Yes. We're going to look at ancient teas. We're going to look at uh, the difference between a maceration and an infusion and um, get our heads around that. I'm going to show off my little tea strainer... What is it, like an electronic... That looks
1: like a well-used tea strainer you've got there. So this is that, that little golf <laughs> ball size one that you get you know, in the, in the front section of your tea shops where yeah. you, you put the loose-leaf tea in and you whoosh it around. Yeah, we're saying it looks a little bit steampunk. It does look old a bit steampunk.
0: Um, like a bit rusty. Hannah sort of looked down her nose at it, but we'll discover <laughs> why uh, a little bit later on in the show. Yes. Um, but uh, to start us off, yes. uh, we doff our lids and say, Victorian farmers' markets... Ten years strong. Yes. Ten years strong. Wow. Um, I was most fortunate to be invited to a luncheon that celebrated that. Mm. And that was at Rose Hill Estate, an incredible property in East Keelore. So this is just
1: suburban Melbourne? Yeah. Keylor is about as suburban as it gets. Yeah, mate. And and you've got this amazing big estate there. Seven
0: acres. Um, Seven acres that um, have been grown by... Tony and Lina, Mm. uh, Siciliano, and, of course, San Angelo, um, the Rose Creek estate. I had an amazing lunch. Just just pizza ovens, good wine. It's all grown from there um, and celebrated uh, the 10 years. Had a chat to Alison Peake, who's uh, one of the – the the guiders of this uh, this great movement and um, well, we sat down amongst the roosters yes and all the stuff and we just talked about ten years of farmers markets and also ten years well more than that because um, uh, Lena and um, and Tony moved there in the early eighties when it was just rocks and weeds yeah and through the just the sweat. And 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 dedication and and hard work. Yes, you got it. They they made that. So we're gonna we're gonna do that a little bit of that. But before I do, Mm -hmm. here's a little food quote I just found, which Mm -hmm. is uh, kind of appropriate. It's from the New York Times in 1989. Mm -hmm. For a growing number of Americans, and we could say that for a growing number of Westerners, cooking is an activity that uh, was once an obligation, and it's become a somewhat spectator sport. And we can see a whole channel of yes. uh, stuff on the TV <laughs> where the the making of food has become a spectator sport. Yeah, literally a sport. Yes, mm. competitive. And as we look around, we find a saint, uh, the feast of Saint Thomas Bellacci, patron of butchers. Go, Saint Tom. Um, maybe we might just get Yeah, we into need to it.
1: press on. We've got so much, we're not going to hang around. So, uh, we're just going to pay some, um, sponsorship announcements.
0: And then I've got to just introduce the interview. But of course. But of course. But of course. who comes the sponsor. Ooh, sounds like that might get the edit tick. It sounds like a great <laughs> event. Sounds awesome. Nice one, guys. Um, yeah, head off to that. So, here I was mm. at, uh, Rose Creek Estate. This, mm. uh, impossibly steep seven acres, but we are on the top. Eating pizza, drinking great wine. Um, uh, Lena was there, and so was Alison Peak. And I started off by saying because it was the tenth anniversary of the Victorian Farmers Markets. Alison, tell us about where was the first farmers market?
2: Abbotsford Convent, six a.m. A hailstorm, a, hail storm. a oh. massive hailstorm, horrible. And then after we'd set up and started, about two hours later, another massive hailstorm. So all of our poor farmers who started with us 10 years ago had to live through this horrible, horrible, horrible day. Mm. And for good credit to them, many of them are still with us despite that.
0: How many people were there in that first market and, and what sort of stuff were they selling?
2: Most of the time we've had around 75 storeholders, anywhere between 60, 75. It's all seasonal, so it varies, you know, different times of the year. But, yeah, we started with about 70 storeholders out in the rain and the hail.
0: Can you chart the success and and how this this movement has grown?
2: Yeah, we've just been talking to people over lunch, actually, and having lots of conversations about that. It, It was really new. Mm. Um, you know, farmers' markets were a very fledgling industry at that stage. It's changed a lot, um, and many of the storeholders have been with us for those whole 10 years, mm. which has been fantastic. And we've had the advantage. Uh, it's the slow food markets, so we were very careful about choosing the best producers, yeah. and many of them are still with us, and we've always had the best of the best As a result of which, you know, we've had loyal customers too who really do know what they're buying.
0: It was an idea that the timing was perfect for you, think? How did it start?
2: Uh, Miranda Sharp was the the real, you know, mover and shaker. She was already running Collingwood and Gasworks and has now gone on to, you know, much bigger and better things. But she literally came to us at a slow food meeting and said, what do you think about running a farmer's market? Mm. And probably foolishly... (laughs) I you went. Said, I went. Oh, I suppose I've got some time. Maybe I could do that. Yeah. How hard can that be? Yeah, exactly. Mm. What could What could possibly go wrong? Yeah.
0: And Lena, what's what's been your um, involvement in this this movement?
3: Uh, it was a good experience just to educate people to buy fresh produce and yeah. fresh and talk to the growers and talk and to learn how to cook
0: and establish a relationship with a person who's providing the food.
3: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because um, it's very important to um, to have that. It reminds me of Italy. In Italy, that's what we had uh. every week, every day of the week. You go in the, into a different village, and you buy fresh produce uh. from the farmers. And we used to we were used to that, yeah. and we missed it here. So thanks to Miranda and Alison, they create it.
0: We should give some sort of a description. I'm going to ask you to try and describe it, or you describe it first. Maybe, Alison, you describe where we are. How would you describe this piece of East Kilo? Uh,
3: for us, it's a, where we come from, the mm. small village. We create our own little piece of Varaporio here. Yes. Because we got everything, up and the, you know, up and down the hill with the steps, 44 steps, to get down to the vineyard.
0: <laughs> it's no wonder you're so lean, my God. We're leaner by name, leaner by nature, because you have to be half mountain goat to be up and down yes, these steps. We do
3: walk like goats, because, oh. because when we walk on this hill here, we got to walk across yes. like the goats, one leg up, one leg down.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> because th- this is it. Just to give you an idea, this um, it's it's on a hill. Um, it goes down to the Rose Creek. Um, I, well, I don't know my volume well. Five acres, seven. Seven says Alison. Seven, seven acres.
4: Seven
3: acres. Yeah, we managed sort of to get one one block after the other. There's three different blocks, but because of the the soil is so good, it's all volcanical soil. Everything black. everything grows. Yeah. yeah. Even one fella, one landscaper, one day he was there in that corner. He said, "Even if you stand on, you grow." <laughs>
0: but it wasn't like that when you came here no. you, you, so you came here in the 80s yeah. what was here
3: there was weeds everywhere and rocks right everywhere and there still are we, every time we dig the, the soil the mm. tiny guys over with the tractor or I go and dig something you know the soil to um, to plant stuff you always find rocks mm. Uh, but with manure, <laughs> with manure and, you know, planting and, you know, compost and everything else, sort of, the soil is beautiful.
0: And just because of your sweat and your dedication and every and your day.
3: And your, and your passion. And passion, yeah. Yeah, tiny myself and my children, they love it.
0: They've worked very hard. And, Alison, you want to have a go of just describing what the the result of this is?
2: No one would believe it, and in fact, I've talked to people today, no one believes they pull up in a suburban street in East Keela and go, oh, I think I've got the wrong address. Yeah,
5: because it just
0: looks like a house.
2: Because it looks like a, a suburban house, and they walk down the driveway, and then you just keep walking, keep walking, and it all opens out in front of you. And there's this amazing olive grove and vineyard right in the middle of the city. No-one
3: would
0: know it's here. It's not often you can sub, uh, describe um, being in the suburbs and having a vista. Tell me some of the things that are in here.
3: If I remember more, yeah. <laughs> yeah. cherries, plums, apples, uh, nectarines, peaches, mm. grapes, ice cream beans. Ice cream beans, <laughs> <which we tried. laughs> which we Citrons. Citrons. Um, citron. Which the Ital-
0: Cedron. Cedron. It's the proper Italian.
3: Oranges. There. Mandarin. Yeah. Um, mm finger lime. Yep. Um bagamot. Mm. Oh, you can
0: make your own Earl Grey tea. Yes.
3: Yes. And our own perfume too, they say. Mm. That's the essential for the perfume. Yes. Uh what chickens. Peacocks. 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 Yeah. Oh,
0: look. Baby chickens. <laughs> Low quads. It's it's
3: yeah.
0: It's it's just incredible. Strawberry,
3: strawberry tree. Look how big it is. I wow. always wanted to have one of that that tree. I used to pick the little the I used to pick up my kids at school. Yeah, there was a tree there, and in the afternoon I used to take a basket and pick up all the fruit on the ground. What sort of fruit comes from them? It's beautiful fruit. What is strawberry, it? Strawberry, strawberry plant.
0: Oh, really, I don't think I've had that. Uh,
3: yeah, maybe you haven't. No, maybe I haven't. You <laughs> haven't tasted. And in Italy they call them brioche, Oh, really? Drunk. Drunk. <laughs> drunk. Really?
0: Because <laughs> that's the feeling you get from eating them. And you also grow the really beautiful grapes, the fra uh, No, no, no. No, it, it's it, oh, and it's this strawberry-flavoured grape that's... Oh, that's
3: the Fragola. Yeah, Fragola. The fragola. See?
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's amazing too. So yeah, oh, uh, what we're trying to say here is that in this sprawling suburbs of East Keylor, built on these beautiful hillsides, you will find something absolutely extraordinary. And the thing is that you, dear listener, can come out... And um, and come and have a look. You can have tastings. Tell us about uh, the offering to the general public. If people want to come along,
3: yeah, to ring first because we're not here all the time, of course. Mm. Yeah, but by appointment we're here every day. Mm-hmm. If uh, they um, you know they're welcome to come and have a taste and and have a look, and we can give them a tour. Yep. Um, yeah, free taste.
0: And yeah. you do public open, open days, not so uh, much anymore? Not
3: so much anymore because, yeah, uh, yeah a few problems with parking sort of. But next year we're going to have another one, I hope, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: And you'll be able to see uh, Lena and Giorgio um, Antonio down at uh, the Tomato Festival. It's going to be happening next year. Are you going to come along sure. to that? Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Um, moving back to this incredible 10th anniversary and congratulations to all the work and... All these passionate people who were sitting around this very, very long table with a beautiful red tablecloth, what are your hopes for, say, the next 10 years of, of this movement that you've started?
2: Oh, I hope I'm still there. Or maybe I don't. Oh, <laughs> I hope I'm you, still alive. <laughs> <to be there. laughs> right. Yeah, I hope it still keeps going. Look, whether I'm there or not, just hope the movement grows and right. and improves and that people become more aware of... How much difference they make when they buy straight from a farmer, for themselves and for the farmer.
0: The relationships that you can have, and just the fact that the people that are selling are passionate and know about what they do, and it is such a different experience as to shopping under the fluorescent lights, Absolutely. shall we say.
2: And as one of the bumper stickers that's around says, don't buy food from strangers.
0: And don't be a stranger to the farmer's market. If we want to find out where markets are on, where do we look?
2: You can find it on the Melbourne Farmers Market website or through the Victorian Farmers Market Association because Victoria is actually the only state in Victoria that runs accredited farmers markets who will guarantee that you are buying from a farmer, not a reseller.
0: We were lucky enough to have pizzas from this incredible shed. (laughs) The shed of memory, the shed of partying, the shed of, of food production, the shed of family... That's an important building, isn't it? Very
3: important tell important.
0: tell just tell us a little bit about that building and what it means to you.
3: Um uh, means everything because we grow up with that, with that mm. those sheds. And that's why I don't wanna make a nice nice and, you know, modern because mm. that's where that's how we used to do back home in Italy, a shed. And when you cook in there in that oven, if you put Food in that oven, it, the flavour is so different what you're cooking on the stove. And even if you cook anything, spaghetti, beans, or silver beet, or you know, spinach mm. on an open fire, it's so different. You yeah, got no idea. right. So uh,
0: maybe that's the other thing that should uh, inspire you folks a wood fired oven. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. Build a build a build a building around this There's thing. A lot
3: of people doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. they do build a, um, an oven in their backyard. Mm. Uh, because now they discover it is the best thing to have. But since we bought a house in Australia, we always had an oven, a wood oven.
0: Because it is, it's the it's the it's the heart, it's, it's the head, head, it's the family. It's we
3: up, Yeah, it's what's our way of living in Italy, mm. and. And it, but you've got to have a passion for it. doesn't matter if you've got one or not, if you want to do one or not. If you haven't got that passion to do that hard work, to do the dough and, you know, look after the fire and do the oven and everything. But we're lucky, Tony and myself, because mm. we both like the same thing. We both argue on the taste.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that. <laughs> But this is the thing, this is the glue that binds us, isn't it? Hard work, passion and good food yeah. and good people but around.
3: And, yes, correct, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. If it wasn't the good people that I got around, I don't got, think I would have offered, I would have accepted Alison, um, mm. how do you say the words, um, question? Mm. No, you would have said word. forget it. Forget it, yeah. <laughs> but, of course, I love it, Yeah. Know. To have everybody, mm. actually, someone at the market. And she said, "Why you, you know, you have it at your house. You know, why you go through all that work?" I said, "I love it to yeah. have all your people there. Yeah. You know, you all work hard. We all work hard, mm. and it's beautiful to get together and talk and you know, and eat mm. the best food, the best of the best."
0: It's a good. It's a. It's a good tribe to belong to, isn't it? It's a pretty
3: good tribe.
0: Thanks so much for the invitation. It's been a wonderful afternoon. Thank you. Take two on the goodbyes. Goodbye.
2: Goodbye. Can we get the rooster?
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Inflict you with my rooster impersonation. Uh, yeah, because they never just do it to when you when you want them to. Uh, what an incredible afternoon it was, uh, Maddie. You're going to put Rose Creek Estate on our website just, if you want to get info. Yeah, and you were saying so. If you just go to their website, which
1: is uh, I think it's just RoseCreekEstate.com.au, you can get um, you can buy their wine and olive oil and stuff from
0: there as well. Lots of good wine, sure mm. and, the, and the sparkling's really quite amazing. Right? Mm. Had more than a couple glasses of that <laughs> yesterday. It was really, really good. But a great day, and congratulations to the Victorian Farmers Market. May you go on. Yes, uh, twelve. Oh. Twelve, two, 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 and twenty-two seconds. Wow, that was an amazing bit of uh, of uh, numeric stuff. But yes. uh, we've got some good music. It's going to put a little bit of a smile in your hips, mm. and uh, then we're going to be back with Hannah Dupre talking about ancient tea. Here we go.
5: My name is Rennie Redzepi, and you are listening to Eat It on Three Triple R. Who let him in?
0: That Where out? did he go? Oh, he's gone. Yeah. Uh, 12.27. Uh, hi, Renny, if you're around. <laughs> uh, 12.27 here on 3 Triple RFM. What a good place to be. hope your afternoon's going well. You're having a good time. And uh, we are delighted to look across and we've got glasses of amber fluid, but not the type that you'd be thinking of. No, no, no. Hannah Dupre. Hi.
6: Hello. Good to have you back. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: It's great to see you here again. You've been away.
6: I've been away. You've
0: been traipsing through Yunnan province looking at the... Ancient tea forest the,
6: of Yunnan.
0: The ancient tea forest of Yunnan. Exactly. God, if, if there's, there's some evocative words That's you've started this thing all off with. All right. Well, let's, let's go with there. I sort of had this thing of what was it? Who was it that was asleep underneath a tree and boiling some water and oh, some yeah. senescus leaves fell down and <laughs> crinkling a nose up at me and they going, Oh, not that either. <laughs> no, are no, you. no, no,
6: that, that is one of the origin stories. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is, but yeah. you um, wanted to talk about ancient tea. So before camellia sinensis leaves were being thrown into boiling water or boiling water being poured carefully onto it, what were people doing before that?
6: Oh, wow. Um,
0: What was ancient tea?
6: Ancient, so ancient tea, like in these terms, is Mm -hmm. um, tea that is from trees that are more than 100 years old.
0: As in camellia trees? Camellia sinensis gotcha. trees that are more
6: than 100 years old. So that is the, the, the definition of ancient tea. Some um, people will say 80 years. Some people will say 200 years. Some mm. people distinguish between old growth and ancient. Yes. For some people, ancient is 1,000 years. Um, so
0: this is like having a, a wine from really old vines.
6: Exactly, exactly.
0: What happens to camellia trees when they get old and gnarly?
6: Um. More Maybe than not that, they they get very very gnarly. Oh, do they? Cool. Very nally. Um, it it's that the, the trees have lived in a community on a mountain with people for hundreds and hundreds of years, okay. and so there's a relationship that exists Got between it. the trees and the people oh, and I'm the mountain. Kidding. Yes, yes. Um, the and trees,
0: so the people, and the mountain. Exactly. Why do we need mountain? Because tea should be high grown.
6: Absolutely, tea should be high-grown, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. Well, you know, the, the, the Japanese tea is, is low-grown. Hmm. Um, altitude provides certain things in the flavour of the tea. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the mountain, more than that, like, so before the, the, the emperor was sitting under the tree and the, the, the leaf fell into his the, cup the, the, and he, he the, discovered the, the, tea, yeah. you know, for, for thousands and thousands of years before that, tea was like shamanic medicine in in these traditional cultures, traditional animus cultures of China. Yes. And so some of these trees have been alive. Like the oldest tree that I know of is 3,500 years old.
0: Get out of town. 3,500?
6: Mm-hmm. The oldest one I saw was 900 years, which is like a baby in comparison (laughs) to that.
0: (laughs) Wow. So are they... You need to harvest the leaves. You need to mm. harvest the little tips mm. because mm. that's where the the special. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine, even though they're gnarly, they're not allowed to grow.
6: No, they grow very, very huge. They're huge. They do. They, they, they climb the trees. Oh my god! Um, but because they have been harvested over you know generations and generations, they um, that that harvesting retards the growth. Yes. Um, and also that they are grown in a natural ecosystem, so there's no irrigation and there's no fertilisers. So the, the, the trees have this sort of natural, very slow growth from their natural environment. They, I mean, the trees are... Um, tea is a... Um, oh, God. Not a canopy tree. What's the, what's the trees in the middle of the, forest? uh, it's
0: the middle layer. The middle layer, the yeah, middle layer of the forest. That'll
6: trees, do. Trees, trees are one of those ones. It's not the
0: top layer, it's that middle it's, part. It's the middle bit. Yeah. Um, good.
6: So <laughs> the, um, camphor and the laurel trees, they, they are high, high trees. Yeah, they, they go they crazy. Shade the tea. And so the tea naturally is quite a, um, a slow growing small bush. But, you know, the, 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 really, really old ones are still, you know, 10, 15, 20 metres high.
0: How is tea different from an old tree to a like a little young camellia
6: bush? Yeah, so the little young camellia bush or the plantation tea, it tends to be quite sappy and bright and vibrant, sort yep. of young and bursting with flavour. Yes. The older trees have this much more restrained, um elegance. Composed elegance Ugh. that comes with wisdom and age.
0: That's it. We like to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So yes, but the the main thing, the word you said was sappy. Less mm. sappy. So mm. um
6: Woody is a really clumsy way of saying it. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, that's sort of like an entry into it.
0: As so vocabulary before, you try it and and sort of have that. And you've put something in front of us that is, it's impossibly looking bright looking, isn't it? It's beautiful.
6: It's beautiful. What do you think,
0: man?
1: Yeah, it's, it's very much. An amber I love it when he has to reach the turn <laughs> on his microphone. Ah, damn it! It's very much an amber fluid. I agree. Mm. Like it's 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 got a it's almost got a beery
0: sort of appearance to it. If it was um, a fortified, you'd say it's almost like a tokay Yes, almost. Yes, it's got that bronze sort yeah. of colour to it. Yes, touch of orange. Um, it
1: and is
6: a big red robe from Fujian province. A big red robe. A big red robe. Big red robe. Da Hong Bao.
0: Oh, bloody hell. Yep. What does all that mean?
6: Um, it, it's a style of oolong. Um, oolong? Okay. Oolong, yes. Yep. Yep. So it originally, the, the original Big Red Robe comes from six specific tea trees in the Wuyi Mountains of Fujian. Yes. Um Tea is still being harvested from those six original tea bushes, but they're on a tourist trail, and you know, it's $20,000, I think, for 20 grams of, of, of that tea now, so that's pretty inaccessible. <laughs> <on> um, <laughs> but this tea still comes from within the park, right. um, the, the World Heritage um, listed park.
0: Can we just have a quick let's definition a of oolong? Just, oh, just, oolong? Let's just yeah. nail oolong on oolong. the. Oolong the the semi oxidised
6: tea. Yep. So white tea is tea that is just picked off the tea bush and then dried, yep. no oxidation. Yep. Um, green tea is has been heated as quickly as possible after it is harvested and then dried. So that heating kills the it's called the kill green, which halts oxidation, which preserves mm. sappy, bright green flavours. Yep. Oolong has been left to wither for some time, so that withering. Um, mm. It, it's a gentle oxidation, and so that deepens the flavour, draws out the sweetness, and increases the complexity. Black so tea is fully oxidised. Yeah, it's
0: not fully black. It's Mm-mm. sort of in that middle. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's. Uh, we're going to have a taste of this. Maybe you're going to have a little taste of us. You're doing it as Why, well. Why, yes. It, it smells f- great. You were saying you weren't sure there was going to have that much aroma, but
6: well, it was... What I have brewed this at um, room temperature with room temperature water um, oh, over an hour and a half. Man... That's
0: um, really good. Um, a lot of the time, when we have tea, we expect grip. We expect the tannins to summon, come and attack our mm-hmm, tongues and mm-hmm. do that. Oh, it's there now. It's gentle. Yeah. It sort of it um, it emerges and it 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 lets you know that it's there. But it's certainly not a smack in the face, is it? Of tannins? Exactly.
6: Tannin. Tannin is a really important part of tea in the way that it is with wine. Mm. Um, it provides structure to the the flavour of the tea. Um, badly brewed tea, though, will um, bring out too much tannin and, and completely overpower it. And that's where, you know, that thing of people not liking green tea generally oh, comes from.
0: And that was one of the things that um, was quite uh, amazing and really, really instructional when you first came in and said, look, a lot of people hate green tea, but that's because they brew it all wrong. The temperature's too high and they let it infuse too long. Yep. Green tea can be really, really pleasant. And this is gorgeous. This is This is really nice. This is really, really gentle. It's sort of... Yeah. Perfumey isn't right, but it's got this beautiful aroma mm-hmm. um, and the colour is extraordinary and it looks really, really good in a glass. Doesn't so it's it?
6: also heavily roasted, this one. Um, Oolong can have very little roasting or be heavily roasted. So the heavily roasted teas, the, the sugars in the leaf caramelise and that's what gives it that beautiful sweetness. Mm. Um, but the, the, the age of the tea and also the mm. Wuyi Mountains, are, there's very little soil there and so the roots go straight down into the rocks so that that strong minerality that comes through is what, what gives that. Sort of mystical. Um, it's called the Wooi aroma.
0: The Wooi aroma, yeah, um, Profundo. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, but it's woo-yee. sort of peachy. And
6: <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. yes.
0: yes. <laughs> and uh, and dare we say we uh, we don't really think about that that much. That we you know the the French go on that whole thing, the journey of the terroir. You know how the land. Um, shapes how you how everything tastes mm-hmm. and this is mm-hmm. true in these leaves.
6: Absolutely and that's yeah. one of the most profound things about um, ancient tea and living tea is that because it's not irrigated um, it, the terroir absolutely informs everything that the, the tea bush experiences so mm. that's what you taste is is entirely the, the environment.
0: And I guess the obvious thing is and people are probably going in the radio going yeah well good on you you're having all this stuff, yeah. how does that relate to me but I'm sure that this is available for people if they want to have this experience. Absolutely. Yeah? Right. Um, Tell us how they yes, do that.
6: Well, they go onto my website and they go on website. <laughs> just give me the money. <laughs> Get that
0: PayPal happening thing. <laughs> how do people pay their money on your website? The PayPal and
6: credit card. Yeah, it's things. all good. Yeah, but, all but um, happens, and man. so
0: of course that is Storm
6: Yeah,
0: and what are they looking for specifically here?
6: Big red robe.
0: Big red robe.
6: In the semi oxidized. Sorry. <laughs>
0: I haven't even started drinking with Michael yet. (laughs) And Zara, yes, um, big red robe, big big red robe. There we go. The deference that it deserves. Mm -hmm. Um, I brought in. What do you reckon, Matt? We've got a couple minutes. You can talk. Um, I brought in this uh, apparatus of the devil when it comes to making tea. It is. um, It's the. It's the handy Victorian steampunk infuser. We could call it. Um, valid or not valid? Should I throw it over my shoulder, or can I still use it? You should
6: throw it over your shoulder. Really? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, if you, you can get big ones that will almost fill the whole really cup, like and thing. they're okay, but uh-huh. you're just you're restricting the leaves with it. Yeah. You're not getting the flavour oh. out of it. And if you can put enough in there for it to actually open up, it's there's there's just not enough tea in the cup.
0: I love it. Hannah's looking a bit hurt. You know, like you know, come on. I mean, just really? Stop
6: just stop
1: Quite it. What? Matt, let's just have the context. So, this is those. This is those sort of golf ball sized infusers that you
0: sort of open up like as a pack spring. Man. Yeah, exactly. And, and you sort of think, okay, I think I'm being sort of virtuous because I'm not using a whole bunch of tea bags and drinking shitty tea from the supermarket. I thought I was doing all right.
6: You either buy really good quality tea bags, yes. um, or brew tea in a pot. Right. <laughs> okay. <coughs>
0: <laughs> yes, all right. Well, um I've been told, ladies and gentlemen, it is a uh, storm in a teacup and you're lucky to get away and do your stuff in Japan and China.
6: found
0: it was incredible. Are there photos and stuff of these Giant old trees and stuff yeah. like that on the website.
6: Website and Instagram. I, I love Instagram. I spend. What's, what's on.
0: your Instagram?
6: Cult of Tea.
0: Cult of Tea. Check. Matt, look at writing furiously as we do that. Um, we are going to have um, a chat to Zara and Michael from the Evelyn, and of course, the Heartbreaker. You're going to stick around for a drink. I'd love to. Well, we're going to move <laughs> from uh, this glorious tea, and uh, we're going to talk about. The vibe, I suppose, isn't it, man? Mm. It's about you know we've got a cocktail book, but it's more than just a bunch of recipes. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Twelve thirty-nine here on Three Triple rfm We're going to be back with Thinking Drinking after this. Hey, look out for my glass over there. Right? Oh, no, sorry, drink, man. What on? sort of drink you want? What sort of uh, drink you
5: want?
2: Making a double. Uh,
5: yeah. Somebody Let's drink! Cheers,
0: I love the fact that you got William S. Burroughs introducing this uh, this segment, a uh, awaiting intellectual, and uh, and giving the the gravitas that um, a good drink should have behind it. And we've got two exponents of that. Melbourne's <laughs> greatest, I think we'd have to say. Michael and Zara, very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you for joining us.
5: Thank
4: you for having us. Good afternoon. Good
5: afternoon. <laughs> Happy to be here.
0: It's an absolute delight. And I think Hannah's, yes, Hannah's smiling over there going, yes, I'm
5: still here and I'm,
0: I'm enjoying this too. Um, we are here to acknowledge and celebrate and I suppose launch because I don't know how much um, people have been talking about this Uh, Previously, A Spot at the Bar, Um, A Tome by Hardy Grant. It's out on Wednesday, isn't
5: it? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Can't wait.
0: I reckon. Is that my favourite drink in the world? I think it is. Is that in the granny that's in front of me now? (laughs) There
5: we (laughs) go. I'm happy.
0: Happy Sundays. Happy Sundays. (laughs) Um, First of all, I think maybe the important thing... Is to go back, and we talk about um, the inspiration, uh, the mentor, the guide, or the guiding light, and uh, just say one word, Sasha. Uh,
5: Milk and uh, honey, Sasha give the, the bus, yeah. the everything. Um, without Sasha, we would be in a far darker drinking place. I would say he's a he's a passion kind of stretched all four corners. And
0: um, <coughs> it's amazing the influence that one man has had, isn't it, when you think about it. And, a, and also, big man. And also maybe we also think about, I haven't thought about this since maybe Greg Maloof uh, was uh, training people to do Middle Eastern food. And we talk about the Maloof diaspora, but the Sasha diaspora is profound and large <coughs> and global.
5: Absolutely. Who was he? Uh he was uh, a New York native. He was <clears throat> terrible with money. Yes. <laughs> Didn't care about money at all. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but he was just a dreamer. He was somebody who absolutely loved what he did, and he loved mm. the people that worked for him.
0: Yes. Um,
5: and he was happy to share it with anyone that would listen. Yes. He Really, uh, he was so in love with this industry, and uh, he gave so much more than then he took back. So, but
0: isn't it funny? In in a world driven by pretension and by ego, um, he was not really those things. He was probably one of the most genuine hosts and patrons that you would have. Would you Would you say would that be a fair comment?
5: Of course. Um, no ego. No pretension. He uh, was a addicted to making people feel wonderful addicted to service he was a a really loving man mm. and
0: and in the in the days when and what do I you mean the days like you know we've all turned the corner and everything has changed but in in a world full of i don't know bars has sort of been this things you know for uh, drunken debauchery and and glitzy glamour and everything I say about, you know, not being about substance. He he turned that around, and that's informed who
5: you guys are, to bring it back to you. Absolutely. Oh, he certainly did. It was, uh, Milk and Honey was a, a place for adults, mm. a place for civilised drinking. That's it. Decorum, wasn't
0: mm-hmm. it? De- decorum, good conversation, and beautiful drinks, mainly based upon an era of the early 20th century. Is
5: that true? Mm-hmm. Very much, yeah. uh, I would say he was lumped into a bit of a Prohibition-style speakeasy kind of vibe there, uh, purely because he had a venue where he wasn't allowed to have any noise, really. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, the rules of having the space that was Milk and Honey were were based on the fact that if there weren't any noise coming from outside or inside, then he could keep the bar. So he had to keep it, much like a speakeasy-style bar. So it was a real speakeasy yes. in many ways. Okay. Um, yeah, right. But Practical uh,
4: boundaries. Though. Yeah,
5: very yeah. much. And, um, but the place was, you know, there was nothing I've ever been to in my life that can that would give me the same feelings I got the first time I walked into Milk and Honey. And how long ago was it? Back in 2005? Yes. Mm-hmm. And and you worked with him? Yep. I started with him in 2006. Mm. Sarah, you, you too?
4: No, I was introduced to Sasha um, last year, in fact. Um, wow. very lucky to meet him mm. um, with Michael in London. Yes. And I uh, had heard so much from so many people, but obviously most dearly from Michael himself.
0: And, and, and would one of those things where nothing really prepares you for your meeting with someone like that?
4: No, no, I'd heard all the stories. Yes. Um, First hand. Mm. And uh, he was the gentleman that I expected uh, in so many ways, full of class. Um, and we were opening Heartbreaker at the time, so we were uh, telling him all about our, our new adventure and we were exhausted and um, very excited. Yes. Um and yeah, it was it was a pleasure to 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 meet him in his his last his last days.
0: And I I love one of the things we'll we'll get to the book, but one of the things that was in the book that sort of informs the the ethos of the tour. If you was something that that you said, Michael. That you said every time I walk into the Everly, I fall in love again. Absolutely. And yeah. what is it that you fall in love with? Would probably be a good question.
5: That room, when you walk into that, when, when I walk into that door, it was, I guess it starts at the stairs, when I start walking up the stairs, I have this, I get the smells, I get, I smell the ginger, I smell the mint, I smell all that fresh fruit that we've cut and everything that's kind of going out and then you hear the shaker, you hear the rock shaking in the tin and you hear that click, click, click and you're like, oh god, I know what I'm in for here. And then you hear the people talking and the chatter and that, that really low hum. Uh, and then, so you, you you know. Is it like you're you're leaving
0: one world
5: and you're entering into
0: another beautiful world?
5: Oh, God willing. Yeah, supposed to be. Yeah, well, absolutely. But that's the thing, because because you do. You
0: enter from downstairs, you, you know, you through one door and then come upstairs, because it really is a transition from one world to another beautiful world mm-hmm.
5: absolutely
4: that journey is so essential to us for, for when we're inside the bar when we're working in the bar um, mm. the Everly Door has a, a very um Memorable creak to it, and not only does that tell us that somebody is coming in, but it's like the beginning of their journey. We know what they're experiencing as soon as they go through that door, and they're coming through the foyer, and then they finally see us through the mirror. Yeah, um, it really is a, a journey from from right downstairs on Gertrude Street.
0: So there shall never be any WD forty put on those hinges Yeah, yeah,
5: no. we need it. <laughs> we need <laughs> it. that squeak. Yeah, I need the squeak. Yeah, yeah. we'll never we'll never fix that door.
0: No. Mm. <laughs> and you know, from this. Great um, life and and being um, in the presence of this genius—that's um, informed what it is with the Everly. And you've wanted to describe that and put that down in this book. And dare I say it, my God, you've you've done an incredible job on this book because I've seen a lot of cocktail res- recipe books uh, in the time, and this is this is so much more. What what were you thinking when you said? Let's the two of you when you wanted to make a book about cocktails.
5: You know this one. The, cof- the coffee table book, <laughs> as we
4: as we called it before it had a name. <clears throat> the coffee table book being um the fact that we really wanted to create something that encompassed everything about the bar. So um the drinks are obviously a, a very crucial part of that. Yes. Um but what else? You know, what we're talking about from from entering that That door downstairs and the experience and the soundtrack coming from, you know, shaking with that beautiful block ice um, and the happy people and the the memories that are being created in there. So um, a spot at the bar was really uh, supposed to be an extension of that experience um, and And encompass everything everything within it.
0: And it's your ethos too, isn't it? Like I don't think I've ever seen a bar book that has
5: a chapter on style.
1: Mm.
5: Well, why was that important to put in there? I think… When we wanted to, when we started out doing this book, it was really important to make sure that we could convey all the things that were really important to us, our ethos, mm. into a book. Um, I think it could be, it's far more easier to put out a book with recipes and kind of do this like that, do this, do that. Here's the, here's the recipe. You go, um, you go for your life, good luck, yeah, lots yeah, life. Exactly. You yeah. know, like so many uh, kind of, Books I've got on the shelf. And so, with this book, we wanted to, we wanted it to be an extension of the Everly, the extension of your experience with us. And so, you could wake up in the morning, be it with a heavy head or a light head, and flick through the pages and, and kind of almost like go back to that time, go back to that night, have a great time with the book as you did with your friends.
0: Mm-hmm. As, as you say somewhere in this book, it's all about uh, the beginning of the evening to the morning after the night before Um, 1252 here on three triple RFM can we just quickly touch on that because uh, the great yin and yang of alcohol is it lifts us up and then it can smash us down again like a, <laughs> like a ship on the rocks <laughs> and and you do and you wake up and you go I'm shipwrecked, help me um, but you have a chapter that helps that and maybe can we start with that because dare I say there could be people still lying in bed at home going, oh my head hurts, I will never drink again but what can one do for over imbibing?
4: Wishing they were having a bartender's breakfast with us Absolutely
0: What is a bartender's breakfast Christian, how can it help?
4: Uh, a bartender's breakfast is, is many things. I think uh, the Negroni can save the day at any point. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to the Negroni, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Count. Our, uh, our morning chapter was, um, mm. it, it's a real... Uh, a moment that we we treasure and that we feel i, I suppose when we we've got the pleasure of having guests in the bar um it's fantastic and it's it's in the evening because we're open at night we mm. can't take them through um to that experience but we we know that some of them are going to have it so um how can we be there how can we in help? some form how we're can here to we help <laughs> yeah yeah um, My name's uh, Sarah, and I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah. You will
0: feel better. Yeah. Uh,
4: through through all the stages. So the morning was uh, about you know really being playful about what's happened the night before and trying to take that <laughs> guilt feeling away somewhat, yes. and you know not encouraging you to, to to get drunk first thing in the morning No, 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 yeah. no, no But no, just no. Like to say, don't feel
5: guilty. It was it was absolutely <laughs> worth it. it was yeah, just, it's always exactly. worth it. The headache is always worth it. What's Remember the good bits.
0: Okay, but yeah, but uh, let's let's get the practical help. Well, the bloody Mary has always been seen as the great thing—the antidote and the poison in the same glass,
4: or the O Mary.
5: Delicious. Who?
4: <laughs> Michael, i about that. Yeah. Oh,
5: the O'Mary. Well, I mean, it's, hey, come on, I don't want to brag. No. Look at this. <laughs> I love this. I actually, We're I, the secret bartender. The, the O'Mary. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new house drink of ours, actually, with some fresh tomato, a little, bit, a little bit of sherry gin, lemon, and manzanilla, all the good things to get you right on track, um, which with a little fresh pepper this is the perfect breakfast mm-hmm. drink. Mm
4: got a couple of marmalade drinks in there as well so encouragement not to spread it on your toast but throw it in with the with a little spirit as well please <laughs> could you could you
5: expand on that Marma, marmalade um, in what the marmalade cocktail gin lemon and marmalade gin lemon and marmalade and, and that's not one of ours that came from the 30s those guys are drinking it all the way back then yeah the UK um, uh, Stirred, shaken. What, what do you do? Um, right, right, much right, like right. a much like a gin shower. A uh, gin gin shower. Gin shower. Yeah, gin shower. Uh, gin sour. So yes. uh, fresh lemon. Yes, marmalade. Mix up with a little bit of water. To make um, it usable. We're
0: thinking like a orange heavy cut type thing.
5: Right. Find your favorite marmalade. Okay, absolutely. so yeah.
0: roses lime is sort of the entry level for a lot of people. Okay, yeah, That's sure.
5: That's I'd I'd find I I'd, uh, for for the lemon juice always go fresh. Always go fresh. Of course. Um, Remember those
0: stupid <coughs> <the> plastic lemons? <laughs> yeah. Ah! Stop it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> throw the, just, if you've got a window, throw it out the window. Yeah, Yeah. good. Uh,
5: yeah, <coughs> and gin. Find, uh, grab the gin out, out of the cabinet, mm. mix it up with a little bit of marmalade, stir it, shake it, and... Put it in a nice cold glass and enjoy. Okay. Um, so
0: there it is, the antidote, the poison. There's a whole chapter for it and you'll be okay. The book is called The Spot at the Bar. Um, ice uh, is something that you guys have certainly made your name with. But before we get on to that, there was a, um, there was a term which I hadn't really heard before, washline. Yes. Can you just tell us quickly about what that means and why is that important? It's one of the most important things. The wash
5: line. Yeah, the wash What's line. What's this wash line, we, you guys? Yeah, so... Uh, What's going on? <laughs> Back in the day, yeah. uh, I, when when I was training... um. The wash line was the most important thing. So it was every time you you made a drink and you shook a drink and you strained your drink, you know, yes. you thought you were pretty good. Yeah. Look at so this. The, you know, and the person across from you'd be like, it. "Let's check out this wash line." So the wash line is is the gap between the rim of the glass and the, and the top of the drink. And so to deliver a, a drink to a table full to the brim would be a drink that's been overshaken or over poured. Oh, yeah. Yeah. so the wash line. We use that it, word dilution. Dilution, well. mm-hmm. as we shut <coughs> up. Yes. Nobody wants over diluted drink. No. Nobody deserves that. No. Uh, um, so at the at, at the Everly, much like our, our original training with the milk and honey, it was a wash line was something where again we had total control over the drink and the way that it it it, it that does come into the glass. Hmm. So we make sure that all our drinks are measured properly, they're shaken properly, and they're strained into the. The proper
0: glassware as well, um, and that gets back to a consistent product because this is what you want to do. You want if someone came in and uh, got a O'Mary for for instance, and they thought it was incredible. When they come back, one month, two months, one year, you want that to be exactly the same. Absolutely. 100%. May we? Mm-hmm. May we? Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. It's
4: not about the different bartender that makes it, you know, and their individual flair. It's really about that consistency yep. at the Everly. Um, and that's, the wash line is one of those sort of key indicators that uh, we're paying attention to that.
0: we we're, we're on it. And the ice. Let's just quickly talk because, Sasha changed the way that we view that with the ice that he did. And uh, I remember there's a great anecdote about someone who proudly showed their freezer and they had chicken stock in it. And Sasha looks and said, maybe you're not quite serious about this because chicken stock's in there. Yeah. <laughs> Big ice cubes and. Mm-hmm. First of all, is it possible for mere mortals to make a decent ice cube? Of
5: course. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. Take everything in the freezer and throw it away. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, Got news no, here. It's all bad no, in that way. Chicken stock. Buy a separate freezer for, for making ice. Um, well, okay. Ice, ice will take Has on anything How soon as I say you about there. this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah mm. Come on. Yeah, come on. Um, you want to make great ice... At home, boil the, boil the jug, purify the water, let's get it all out, and then pour it into a great container. You really want to get serious, you can put it into a styrofoam container with a lid, put it in the freezer, come back in a couple of days. Really? At least three. Yeah. Um, the way we make our ice, we freeze very large blocks in what we call our coffins. What um, did you say 150 kilos or something? 150 kilos per mm. block. You're yeah. Well. And that takes us about three and a half days to... To freeze, and, yes. then, and then we harvest that that block and cut it down into what what we, what we see in our glass right now. Um, and at the Everly and at Heartbreaker, that's all our own ice. So that's we don't use an ice machine for anything. We hand cut absolutely everything.
0: And and that's one of the things that sets you apart. But a spot at the bar is out on Wednesday. If you are interested at all in, well, not only how you deport yourself and how you you interact with the world almost it is about incredible drinks and we didn't even get to talk about the cocktail trees that you have and the fact that there are over 300 drinks with anecdotes helpful advice it's an amazing book it, it really, really is. Me. I mean, do I go David into.
5: Sure. i really happy with it. Haven't
0: really gone into Superlative <laughs> Land for a
5: while, No, either. but
0: this is well
1: worthy of it. It's an excellent book. <laughs> We're big
0: it, fans. It, you can clearly. <laughs> it really is. And um, we need to know. How much is this? 45. 45. 45? 45. Can I have that back? I need that back. Bargain. I need to Bargain. Yeah. Bargain. And uh, if you've got anyone who's interested in uh, booze, and let's face it, most of us are here in this country, um, this would be. This will be a great Christmas for that time of year. I can't believe I've I said that.
5: that. <laughs> um, a great resource d- for, uh, for all, the, all the special drinks you get over the bar at the Everly as well. So they are not all classics, but some of the milk and honey and Everly family mm. drinks.
0: Fantastic. Well, um, again, congrats to both of you, Sarah and Michael. Thank you um, very much. Hannah's just been quietly enjoying her drink. We need to move on. Oh, my Lord, it is 1 o'clock. Uh, I have to mention something that's that's on. We have very, very serious bartenders uh, around this town, but sometimes they just go a little bit crazy and start playing up. That's going to be one of those nights at Lily Black's because I'm bartender. Is on, and I think there's a Halloween theme. So,
1: is is that tonight, Cameron? That is tonight. Tonight
0: at Lily Black's, Cameron. Tonight at Lily Black's. That's right. Well, there you go. And uh, I'll be there wearing something tall, dark, and ghoulish. Should be good. (laughs) Matt's giving me the uh, the wind up. Thanks for coming in, you guys. Thanks
5: Thanks for having having us. us.
1: Cheers,
0: guys. Hannah, you rock too. Thank you for coming in, Matt. Cameron. Yeah. Let's do it again next week. Why not? Excellent. I think it sounds like a great idea. Um, uh, Plonk aren't on this week. I think we said that last no. week. No, they're not. But they will be next week. Yes. We're going to move across to Sunday
1: lunch coming up. See you next week.
0: Bye.